0: Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom.
1: Oh, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Signal of Doom. We have the legendary Chuck Dixon back on the line. Chuck, how are you?
0: Just fine, just fine. Always glad to be back.
1: Oh, we love having you here. Hands across the ocean once again. Um, several oceans. Uh, Tampa, Florida, correct?
0: Yes, I am. Tampa, yeah.
1: Florida. Yeah. Tampa, Florida, Sydney, Australia. Um, it is always fantastic. Now, Chuck, the first question I have for you. Um, look, we've got i I've, I've recently... We've had a few debates on Signal. Now, here's the thing. In Egypt right now, They uh, look like they're going to discover Cleopatra's tomb. It seems like this is likely to be her tomb. Now, here's the question, Chuck. Once we get inside, will there be aliens inside or alien evidence? What do you think, man?
0: (laughs) No, I I really don't think so. You don't think so, man?
1: Well, I'm a lone gunman on this issue because I said, imagine this. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a believer in, like, in ancient alien stuff, and I think it's fun. It would just be great to get in there. And to actually, we see proof. And finally, all the naysayers—it's like, yes, yeah, see, there's a dead alien. What are you going to do about it? You know. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe that's a story idea for you, Chuck. I don't know. Something you could put in one of the Bad Toms novels or something. Bring in the aliens. <laughs> Just started asking that one. Now, um, you've been a busy man, Chuck, as always. I mean, when are you not busy? Basically. Um, recently you're launching this first kill um with Sylvester Stallone you're doing like uh it's Rambo in Nam, right? right right now first tour first tour okay so so much so many questions so much information I'm a huge fan of the Rambo franchise and Stallone in general take us through it like what was the process like did he give you a treatment like how how what was it all like
0: Well, we had a lot of conversations over the years about Rambo uh, because when he was going to make the last Rambo movie, he talked to me about it. And one of our first conversations, we talked about um, the fourth Rambo movie. I told him how much I liked it. And he told me how many difficulties he had getting it made and all the rest of it. And in these conversations, he kind of like informed me of his view of John Rambo. I mean, what the character was all about, the stuff you don't see on the screen. Mm. You know, what drives this guy? And uh, after we got done with Expendables, I said, you know, um, you know, we'd like to do some more stuff with you. Mm. And I, I suggested, what, what, what if we could go back and do John Rambo's first tour in Vietnam? I mean, something we, you know, we can't do as a movie with you, but mm. we can do it as a comic. Yeah. And, uh, he, yeah. Was, he was all for it. So, you know, uh, we had a few more discussions and then I just started scripting. That's awesome, right? Wow! So it's it's very organic. Like you came up with it.
1: Like now, when I think of it, when I, I rewatched um, First Blood Part One again recently, the start of that movie where he's just the drifter, he's in the in the in the fatigue jacket. Like there really is like a lost character there. You know what I mean? Like he's so yeah. lost and drifting. Right. And to think about like when was when was Rambo first First Blood Part One? Early eighties, like eighty two um uh,
0: 82 sounds right yeah, yeah
1: that's only about a decade and change since vietnam so right, it, right you know what i mean it's 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 actually closer than we realized when he did that first movie um it, 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 it i think there's a wealth of stuff that could be happening in nam like uh, have you got the colonel in it
0: oh yeah well uh, yeah yeah he he shows up uh and also there's a um uh, a special, an additional comic of Major Troutman uh, as a young recruit in Korea. Really? Uh, it's written by Will Jordan, who your audiences may know as The Critical Drinker. Oh, I know who that is. He's he's done. It's so funny you mention
1: that because um, I have some friends who are not into comics at all, but they've sent me links to some of his videos on modern movies yeah. and stuff. He's really right. funny. He's a Scottish guy. Yeah? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's very insightful, too. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, you know. He articulates a lot of things that are bothering us about modern entertainment. He, he
1: hits it on the head, and you're you sort of like, that's exactly what I think as well, but you put right. it together in, in a pretty snappy package, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Something yeah. that Signal of Doom would take two or three hours to say he says in like five <laughs> minutes, and, and, no, and a great voice as well. He's got a good delivery. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, yeah. good delivery. He's,
0: he's got it all. He's got it all. He's a smart guy. He's got a, a great presentation. And uh, I, I just I just love the way he thinks. Even when I don't agree with him, I'm exactly. like, wow, this guy really is into this stuff and really gets it. That's it. You don't always have to agree with everything everyone says. If you, you the viewpoint they're coming
1: from, you understand it. You're like, yeah, it's a good point. Right. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to give up on this Rambo stuff just yet. So, I mean, how many pages are we talking? It's uh, is it on Indiegogo? Is am I right in saying that?
0: Well, it, it's on Indiegogo in demand. We had we only had a three day campaign. And and you know we raised way past our goal. Now it's in demand. I mean, if you want it, you can still get it with the same deals. Oh wow! And uh, yeah. it's um, I I believe it 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 clocks out at about seventy pages.
1: Oh yeah, man. I mean, I'm oh, I'm man. all I'm all in. I give me as much Rambo as possible. Um, <laughs> I, I saw. I mean, it raised some. I mean, look, not a surprise. Your name and, and sliced alone. It raised a ton of cash. I saw. I yeah. looked on the thing and I was like, Jesus, like. Is that, I mean, I don't pay close attention to the financials like I always assume you're doing well. Is that normal for your your stuff? Like, do you normally, or is that Stallone brings in an extra amount?
0: Well, Stallone brings it in. um, Our past history with Expendables Go to Hell bring it in. Yes. uh, Because we delivered on that. Yeah. Critical Drinker doesn't hurt. And then, of course, Richard has an enormous audience, uh, you know, uh, at Splato Comics. So, you know. uh, Awesome. All those things came together. I mean, I think uh, I think we're going to raise quite a bit more money. Yeah. Uh, once, yeah. once Thanksgiving is over here, we'll, we'll 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 get back to seeing more cash come in. Yeah. Um. Like I,
1: I Salone did a really long interview. I want to say it was with Hollywood Reporter. Um. Recently, I don't know if you saw it. it was promoting Tulsa nah. King. Okay. So it was yeah. a long sort of a career spanning interview. Um. Really worth. You know, um, reading, and you always get how intelligent he actually is through the. You know, it's quite clear. I think people who don't know have a view, and then you read his stuff, and you're like, "This guy gets it. He's a businessman as well as an entertainer." You know. Um, Well, I
0: I I was actually saving this story for you. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, The other day, I'm involved in a new business venture, and one of the guys I'm involved with is is really, you know, high end tech guy. And he's in entertainment, he's in effects. And he was he was using Stallone as an example oh. in, in one of our Zoom calls. And he said that he said that he worked um, on the effects for Cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. And he said that the original screenplay, so it was very good. It was by two young guys, first time writing a screenplay. So it would have been a good solid action film. Then Stallone gets signed on and he says he rewrites the whole movie. Yeah. He rewrites he sees something that they didn't see. And he says everything you see on that screen was him, but he he didn't take any credit for it, really, or any of the rest. He just wanted to make a good movie. And and the thing is, I, I wasn't surprised because I've worked with the guy. Sure. Also wasn't surprised because now that I've worked with the guy, I look back over his movies and go, oh my god, he had a hand in all of this. Yeah. Like this scene and that scene and that scene. It's so him that he wrote that. So.
1: Yeah. He's man. That that is amazing to hear, but. Like, if I'm... I mean, I'm not an expert, but, I mean, he wrote the Rocky films, didn't he? At least some of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. He would have had a hand, surely, in First Blood, like lots of it, like in the Rambo movies. Like, you know, so many...
0: There's this great scene in the movie Daylight. Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and there's this great scene where he basically explains who he is. Mm. And he wrote that. Um, I mean, the, the end of Nighthawks, that big surprise at the end of Nighthawks, that's him. He, Love he that came movie. up with
1: that. Love that movie, by so, the way. Um. Yeah. When you talk, uh, I'll, I'll quickly shift gears into um, just recently, like a month or two ago, girlfriend and I sitting on the couch on a Saturday night and we're looking through films on Hulu, saw Cliffhanger, and I said, come on, we've got to put it on. She goes, put it on. Great movie. Right. Um, like, And it's got one of the most sort of like heart-stopping beginnings of any film, like that first scene in Cliffhanger. I'm like, wow, they're, they're not pulling punches here. Right, like, right. Be- because I'm remembering... Um, you know, I'm a child of the '80s, and Stallone to me in those movies, he was kind of invincible. And then you saw, yeah. like that was yeah, as a kid, you're thinking that's where he was. He was right up there. He was Rocky. He was Rambo, and all that. Cliffhanger. This it starts off, and and they lose somebody at the beginning. And you're like, yeah. oh shit, it's it's on now. Um, yeah, he,
0: he he fails, and that resonates through the whole rest of the film, mm-hmm. and also it creates the consequences. We know the consequences here. We've seen a graphic depiction of. What happens when things go wrong.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. Um yeah, John Lithgow is also very good in that movie as well from yeah. memory.
0: Um yeah. so and, and I yeah. I didn't know this. My son told me this. He was a last minute replacement for Christopher Walken. Wow. Who also would have Walken been good too. Wow. Yeah, originally yeah, he would have been great too. He was originally gonna be the bad guy for some reason, had to back out of it.
1: Wow. Well, I mean they got it. I mean, John Lithgow, great replacement. Oh. He he is great in that movie, by the way. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um He's terrific. Yeah. Wow, so that's so you must have high hopes. So when is this um, when is this Rambo thing actually coming out? Like do you have a date? Like is it all finished or are you still working on it?
0: It's it's all done. It's the the final pages are with the colorists, which means it's going to print soon. So I would imagine I mean I I hate to make these predictions, but sure. I would imagine early in the new year, I mean early in January. Perfect. Look, I I think this
1: could make a real splash because the Rambo fans, they turn up you know what I mean? Like yeah. all of Stallone's Rambo movies. I mean, Rambo Four. I love Rambo Four. I like the yeah. last one where he went after the the um, sex traffickers and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, did, has he ever spoken to you about that? Like, was that difficult for him to make? Like, to get greenlit?
0: Well, yeah, because um, w- when he first talked to me about Rambo Five, mm. um, he was going to have it set in Thailand. Yeah, he's going to have it, human traffickers in the Golden Triangle. And then he just decided to just go right into the face of it and, and do it about, you know, the open borders here in the United States and, and what's going on. I mean, and kind of prescient because it's even worse now than, yeah. than what he was portraying in the movie. And uh, But he knew it was going to be controversial. I mean, he said they're going to come after me for this, it's just, which is why he couldn't even make it in the United States. He, he had to go overseas. He had to go to Portugal and Bulgaria to make the movie. I did not know
1: that. Well, wow. yeah. I mean, at a certain point, they're coming after Stallone. It's they left it a little bit late. Like I think he's pretty much uh, he, he, you know, he's he's got his money, he's got his success. Right. What can they do? I, I, this is the thing. Some people, they're too big to cancel. I'm sorry, you know, like because the rest of the public does not want them cancelled. You know what I mean? No, no one, no, no, no one's saying. Like I'm, I'm thinking of me, I'm thinking of my dad, I'm thinking of many, many people. We don't want to see Stallone off the air. We want to get as much as product as we can get while he's still around making movies and TV and stuff. You
0: know? Well, I mean, I mean, look at Mel Gibson. I yeah. mean, Mel Gibson came back. They canceled him, and he 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 fought his way back, man. Hey, man, yeah, that. hey, that Aussie
1: blood. He's got a bit of that Aussie oh, in man, him. <laughs>
0: seriously, seriously, and and you know, we all wanted him back. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's the thing about this cancellation thing is most of us don't agree with it. No and as long as you never apologize you can come back if you apologize you're done then they then they own you
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Now you and you and some 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 unfortunately um, are so craven with their apologies. Yeah. Like um, often it's what what the funny one to me is, and I and I'm pretty moderate, but when you get the real real left winger who gets in trouble and the groveling they do, <laughs> <laughs> like like it's like performance art. You know what I mean? Like it's like I'm so sorry. Like they've almost got like my my, my uh, co-host Richard says they almost get the thing out to lash themselves. You know, like they're just so sorry to be. Going
0: out, well, I mean, we we have celebrities here, you know, uh, who who had who had to admit that they voted for the Republican uh, <laughs> candidate for mayor for Los Angeles because Los Angeles has gotten so bad yeah. that these you know woke liberal celebrities had to vote for the Republican, and now they're all I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry because he didn't win. <laughs>
1: It's hilarious, man. I, I mean, we don't need to get into politics too much, but it is fun. No, 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 but I mean, yeah. it, is, it is what
0: it is. It, it's no,
2: there. It's, it is. So,
1: and, and the other thing is, too, like, and I'm in Sydney, Australia. I, I'm pretty moderate on a lot of things, but but there's a part of me which I'm like, the demonising of the conservative vote is just crazy. You right. know, like, it, like, it's nuts. Like, people would say they, they act as if you're voting for Satan, you know, and it's like, Jesus Christ, like, I thought this was a democracy.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and, the, and the way the line has moved to where, yeah. you know, someone who was a moderate two years ago is now a right-wing extremist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I have people who think that I'm so far. I'm like, I'm not so far anything. So, you know, but
1: it's just, it's just nuts. Now, um, just before we go off the Rambo stuff, I did read in this interview, actually, uh, Sly was saying that like for a long time he wanted to to do something with Vietnam um, as in I think recast and and do it in a Vietnam movie but I think he said more than likely now what they're going to do is a passing the torch kind of thing in a TV show or movie um, right. which is interesting. I, I wonder if that would mean that like he would be thinking about like I mean I don't know Rambo had a kid or Rambo brings in like a you know a sort of protege or something I don't know like do you think there's a future for more Rambo movies is what I'm trying to say Any conversations?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they could always, I mean, basically what we did here was a prequel. I, I yeah. imagine they could recast someone as a young Stallone and do a prequel. I know he's always been interested in passing the torch. I mean, mm. he created the Expendables with the idea in mind that it would be a franchise that would go on without him. Really? Uh, you know, that, that whoever the current crop of action actors were mm. could be in the Expendables. Okay, you know, so it would just go on forever and ever and ever. Jason Statham was
1: very good in the Expendables movies. With him, I thought, yeah, um, they were yeah. good. I I enjoyed those movies. I tell you what, Stallone is one of these guys. I wouldn't even call it a comeback. He just always, he just constantly has a project on the boil. Um, one yeah. thing, one thing I love about him is if you ever notice when he's doing when a film's opening on the red carpet, he's always talking about the sequel. And so he knows the numbers. He knows the numbers of the movie and stuff, and it's like. It's good to see someone hustling at a red carpet premiere. He's not resting on his laurels. He's looking to the next no. thing. You know,
0: the guys. A, the guys are workaholic, man. Yeah. He he just he loves it. He loves the work. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I mean that's that's one of the that's the thing. I mean you know you know that's the thing I think they worry about with cancellation mm. is I won't be able to work anymore. Sure. It's not the money. No. It's the work. Exactly. And I mean this is, I mean this is a guy who walked away. From a deal to make Rocky, because they didn't want him to star in it, and 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 trust me, he had no money. He was broke. Right at the you beginning, know, living in yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, probably yeah. no heat, no electric. Yeah. And he turned down like this huge amount of money because he wanted to be in it. He wanted to play Rocky, and they finally acquiesced.
1: Thank God. And I mean, and he mentions in that interview too that weirdly he kind of gets screwed on the Rocky deal. Um, like they've taken. He doesn't get sort of. The amount of profits that you would normally think, considering Stallone, to me created Rocky. I'm sorry, like it's not, right. it, it's not even open for discussion. He no, wrote no. it, he started it, um, but thank God he's got a lot of other stuff going on. I just wanted to say, um, mid, I'm, I'm flashing back mid '80s. I'm only about ten. I saw that Rambo: First Blood Part Two, the second one. You know where he goes to Vietnam. <laughs> for me, there was and my friends, there was before that movie and after that movie. That movie, <laughs> like, seriously, that movie for us was like, yes. And I remember coming out of that, and I think, in in a way, that that started a lot of conversations for people about Vietnam, like, it, yeah. you know, like, of my age, because we didn't know. We're 10, you know what I mean? We didn't even really right. know what it was. And I'm coming out, I'm asking my dad about it, and, and I remember one of my friends, just after we saw it, I'm going, this is the best movie I've ever seen. He goes there's a, there's a first blood part 1 too you know there's a, there's a part 1 I'm like part 1 and I went and I'm like I I I'm like really okay and, and in my mind I'm thinking is this is he back in the war where is he I go and get it at the video store and I remember I remember and I remember my friend said you might not like it I said I'll be the judge of that it is such a different movie I, I honestly yeah. think it is a brilliant film Brian Dennehy in that movie as the sheriff I mean he's so good as the bad guy you know yeah like it's yeah. just it's it's amazing to me how much it changed between part one and part two. To, they're almost different genres, you know. Right. Like it's it's oh yeah yeah it's crazy. Um, now uh, I want to say here. So I'm remembering uh, Chuck. You obviously did um, the Nam. Um, you know the tail end of the Nam comic. There was I'm remembering in in one of the I think Punisher comics or something. There was an advertisement for the Nam. And it had the nam, and it had Tet, blazoned across it, and like a picture of like an American soldier. And I'm looking at it. I go home to my dad, and I say, "I remember," I said to him, "What's Tet?" And he just said, "Nothing good."
2: <laughs>
1: but like that's what I'm saying it was in the culture at, at that point in time. um right. now anyway, so moving on, um I watched just on the last thing on Stallone, I watched Tulsa King. Have you seen the first two episodes of Tulsa King?
0: No, I haven't I haven't seen them yet. I'm dying to see them, but I haven't seen them yet.
1: I watched them last night um in preparation for this, so just want to get a taste. Let me tell you. It is high quality TV. Like it's that, you know, that kind of feeling when you're watching one of those HBO shows or something and you're like, this is really good TV. Right. And he's fantastic in it. I didn't know this. Uh, spoilers. Um, there's a moment in it where he sleeps with this woman and then she says, how old are you? And he says, you should ask, uh, you, you should almost ask me where I was when JFK got shot. And, uh, <laughs> and he says, I was a senior in high school. He, and he goes, he goes I'm 7'5", the big 7'5. And I'm like, my God. Like, he's a big guy, you know, yeah. solid as hell. Um, right. I mean, if only we could be like that at 75. If only I could. I'm 48. I feel like I'm going to kill over at any moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, she, she's amazed. She, she said, I would have put you for a hard 55. And I, I'm like, it is, like, honestly, Chuck, I think you should check those shows out. I think it's on It's on Amazon Prime.
0: No, I, I absolutely will check them out. Yeah. I absolutely will.
1: Is, is there any movement? I know, I saw his Baba Productions was involved in Tulsa King. Is there any movement on the Levon Cade project?
0: No, I've had interest from another area. Yeah. Uh, Sly's option ran out on it. I've had oh. some interest, but I would always go back to him before I sign with anybody else and say, you know, hey, if you still want it, it's yours. But, yeah, uh, but, yeah I've, I've, had, I've heard from some people in recent weeks. So I okay. finally have, like, a full-time agent now. So. Oh, good good yeah, yeah yeah so i can deal with this stuff
1: <laughs> yeah because like i mean let's face it just judging by your social media you are busy churning out product on a kind of almost daily basis so right. you need someone to handle the the business angle um i'm thinking with um i know my dad is a massive fan of that jack reacher show and i'm and, and you're not a million miles away from that with Levon K. it's a similar genre no. you know yeah
0: no, it's a it's a little bit different of a presentation, but it's in the same that in that uh, terminal list, which did yeah. phenomenally well. I mean, it's it's in that same vein. So I, I, you know, somebody's going to pick it up. I'm, yeah, I'm of it.
1: That one where he the book where he goes over to the war to the, to the Middle East. Yeah. Um. That's a that's a fantastic book. Like I well, mean, that, that's a, oh man, that's a you could you could build a season around that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a TV a TV writers room or whatever they are can because there's a lot of information in that in that book um right. i love i love that one i, I really am um it, you've got to cast him right and you've got to cast the daughter right yeah a- and that's and the key it's key you know because he that's yeah. the thing he does have i'm not a jack reacher expert but he's kind of solo but but Levon Cade has the the father-daughter you know relationship
0: yeah, he's got that lone wolf and cub thing going on, uh, the the rifleman. Uh, you know, he's got somebody to care about. Exactly. Which, which makes it, you... to me, it raises the stakes, makes the consequences more real. Humanizes it. I mean, she ends up in foster care. I mean, you, you care about the girl's story as well. You're
1: like, oh, right. my God, poor Mary. You know, they're putting her through torture here. And it's all you. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 I'm, I'm saying they, you, Chuck, are putting it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm
0: very cruel to my character.
1: <laughs> I saw a thing on Facebook, and it was like – um. When authors um, kill a character, do they cry or do they just have a cup of tea with Satan? <laughs> you it's, can answer that question, I'm sure.
0: It's hard to kill a character. Some characters, it's hard to kill. Some you can't wait to kill, but some, it's hard.
1: Yeah, like, really. yeah. And, and luckily, we're not in like modern day comics, but they're dead. Oh, they're back yeah 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 (laughs) it's like oh we killed them in 31 oh they're back in 33 don't worry kids you know like there's absolutely no consequence
0: (laughs) the illusion of change
1: (laughs) exactly um now i also know oh i did mean to mention too i was um just yesterday in the store and i don't know if you've noticed the whole conan series marvel did a terrible job with the new conan but they did a fantastic job with the reprints. They've been reprinting all the Conan stuff, you know, with Roy Thomas and John Buscema and all that, but also the Savage Sword stuff. And literally, the next omnibus, which will be Volume Nine, will I'm sure cover the beginning of your run, um, Chuck. So they're all they're pretty much almost there on your Savage Sword run. <laughs> um, and it's like, and the fun, I I do believe there is a curse placed on you at Marvel because they've lost the license, and or they 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 let the license go. Um, and I'm, but the reprints are going to continue. Titan Comics have picked up the whole thing. And the oh, rep- I
0: didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh, yes. okay.
1: So, yes, so I can tell you this. So, Titan have picked up um, Conan Comics. Um, the reprints are going to continue from where they've left off. They're like, the same person who's doing them they actually put a post up saying, I'm going to continue, same trade dress, everything, and they're also – reprinting the beginning of the omnibus run but so you will get there but i but i really do believe they got to you and they're like oh we let the license lapse i'm like (laughs) was this a personal thing (laughs) was brevoid involved
0: (laughs) yeah i'd like to know how how that happened did the conan people pull the license from marvel i mean it seems awfully fast for it to have lapsed it's weird they haven't had it that long
1: no and, and like they i and i mean i'm a huge conan fan they did a fantastic job reprinting everything. Like they've put out epic collections, they've put out omnibuses. Like, but their right. new stuff was has been kind of half-hearted. Like yeah. if you, if you remember, um, they had poor old Jason Aaron. They they got him to apologise about Pocahontas, and it was <laughs> it was like <laughs> it's like does he he's like I'm sorry for whatever whatever you know offence I have caused by putting Pocahontas in a story. Uh, I'm just sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the thing is, oh, my gosh, there's a half-naked chick with feathers in a Conan story. I mean, who would have thought? Oh, yeah, like, oh,
1: oh, oh. It's, it's like clutching my pearls. I was reading, <laughs> in, in, in preparation for this, I was reading some of your Savage Sword last night, and I think in your first issue, or early on, you've got this woman, she's spread on the bed, Conan's kind of had his way with her, and, and I'm like, are, are we supposed to apologize for the fact that Conan likes women? I don't
0: know, like. <laughs> I you know I don't know I don't know what I don't know what they want. I don't think they know what they want.
1: No, they they seemed really unsure about well they put here's a here's something that I think they did wrong. They they couldn't wait to get Conan in the present with all the Avengers. And yeah. I'm like like this is just crap. Like yeah. You know, like, a one-off thing, like a what-if, like when Conan met Wolverine or something, that's fine, a one-off. But to have him in the Avengers day after day after day, it, it just cheapens the character. Like, you, you, can you imagine Conan on, like, a cell phone?
0: You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it right. just
1: breaks the character. Um, and that's, I think... So I, it's gone to Titan. Now, I know Jim Zub, who actually did do... He did the one really good story. He did, He put Conan in the East, and it was actually a good story. Now no. I know he's writing the main title, but I'm wondering, Chuck, if you should probably reach out because surely there's enough room for a, a, you know two Conan titles like in the market. I would think. Um, well, yeah, you
0: know, I don't know. I'm kind of busy. Plus, sure. I've, I've written a couple of Conan novels that'll be out soon. So, oh really? I've been I've been doing some Conan. Uh, yeah, Castalia House. I'm doing two. I'm probably going to end up doing three Conan novels, but I have. To complete, they're ready to go, and I think they're going to announce the first one in a couple of weeks. Oh okay. wow! Okay,
1: so um, let's let's dial another because I know that you. I actually had questions from listeners who were asking about your Conan on Arctunes, but obviously you've been writing the proper novels. Um, right. And so, are they going to be releasing soon?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the first one should be announced in the next, next couple of weeks, and okay. I just I just went went right on and, and wrote the second one. Oh, uh, well, there but we go. we're planning on doing three. So. Well, I
1: mean, I can tell you what your Australian sales are going to be great because I'm going to be I'm going to be all over it, and I'm going to be telling the listeners to run out because I will say this, and 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 I am not blowing smoke here. You've got Robert E. Howard, who is you know at the top of the ceiling in terms of Conan, like no one can beat it. I would I honestly think your Savage Sword is the next best thing in terms of Conan I've ever read, and I've read well, fairly widely, wow. you know. Wow. Yeah, well, like yeah. I mean, praise. oh man, it's it's it, You know what it is. You get the character, and you get the fun of Conan. Like Conan is fun. Like it's not meant to be this laborious. I'm reading like Lord of the Rings, the appendices. Like it's not. That's not it. It's it's a fun read. Um, And to me, he's not a complicated character, but that's the beauty of him. Like the you can move him through that whole world. Like I I had many an argument with one of my co-hosts. I'm saying. If you actually look at the world of Conan, like the actual world and all the different civilizations, it's actually, there's a lot of variety, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's, he's, a you know, a, just a badass character, but he's, there's, there's nuance there if you look for it. I mean, he's intelligent. Yes. Uh, you know, he always sees the most direct path to what he wants. You know, he's sometimes morally challenged. Uh, sure. Know, there's, you know, he's, He's a brutal guy in a brutal world, but you know, he's not, he's not, you know, like, a you know, just a mindless brute. I, I, he's, he's fascinating to write because you're like, well, what would he, do? you know, I create a challenge for him is like, what is he going to do here? Mm. You know, what, what's he going to do? Because he's just as likely to, you know, you know, leave his buddies behind <laughs> as he is to help them. If, yeah. if he sees, okay, this is the only way out for me is, you know, betrayal or whatever. Uh, Exactly, you know, he, uh, he's no, not
1: like he's not like pure pure. He's more kind of like no, reactive, no, no. you know. He's he's almost a rogue at heart, you know. Really? Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he no, likes whatever wine and his, his women what he wants.
1: You know. yeah. the the flesh pots of the south, Chuck. Remember, you used to talk about right. that. a <laughs> lot. <laughs> he, he likes those flesh pots, but getting there can yes, be the challenge, you know. <laughs> yes, and please tell me, Crom uh, count the dead is in the novels. Like, cause you um,
0: I'm saving that for the third one. Okay, yeah, cause I'm, saving, you, you I'm definitely going to do it, but I'm saving it for the third one. I, he's got some pretty funny lines in the first two books. So.
1: I, I can't wait, man! So they'll be coming out. Like, we'll get we can get them on Amazon. We can get them on Kindle and everything like that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they'll man. be on
0: Amazon and, and direct from Castalia House. Oh, fantastic! I'm going to do a for the first one. I'm doing a um a, a limited edition 500 sign. All so. oh, right. Please, yeah. t-
1: did you hear about the thing with Bob Dylan? Did you hear about this? So, no. Get this. This is actually hilarious. So, Bob Dylan just put out like a new book, uh, "Philosophy of Song," and he's like essays on different songwriters and stuff, and it's really good. But it, his publishers said there was like I want to say six hundred copies that were signed, and there were maybe a few more. Maybe it might have been six thousand, but whatever it was, it was limited. And they were costing like six hundred US and stuff, and and all the Bob Dylan fanatics on the Facebook pages they were going crazy buying it and stuff, like you know selling their children to get it. It was then revealed that it was done by like an auto pen, oh. <laughs> and, and, oh. and, and and it's like man, that's cold. That's that's wow. so cold. Like wow. and, and and like I just think to myself like I mean I love Bob Dylan, but like this is I mean I would never spend six hundred bucks to to get a signed copy of anything, but but, but I'm like, I, I'm just like, man, did they not think that would come back to bite them? You know?
0: Wow. What 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 the hell? Yeah, I mean, yeah. seriously.
1: Yeah, that was Simon and & Schuster, and they put out an apology like yesterday but, or
0: something. You know, I, I would hope so, and some refunds.
1: Yeah, I think wow. they did
0: say that. But but like, yeah. this is
1: crazy. Signed, in quotation marks. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of. <laughs>
1: sort of signed. Uh, and, and, and my girlfriend goes, is he personalized? I go, he's not involved at all.
0: <laughs> right, he just probably didn't even know about. It. Yeah, he doesn't. Even, he's in
1: his tour truck thinking about the next show. He doesn't really. He's not really keeping in touch with the with the signings. Uh, now, Chuck, you mentioned to me that Midnight's War has got a graphic novel Kickstarter about to start. This is the vampire thing you do with Vox Day, right?
0: Uh yeah, yeah. We're gonna do. Everybody's asking when is the ArcTune stuff gonna go to press. Well, mm. you know, it's gonna go to press when we reach graphic novel link. And Midnight's War is the first one to get there, and uh, we're going to start the Kickstarter on well, what here in the United States is Black Friday, the day okay. after Thanksgiving.
1: Oh, uh, well, cool!
0: That was a that was a good day for a vampire book, Black
1: Friday. Yeah, yeah. Can you give us the the ten cent pitch on that storyline? I was reading some of it last night.
0: It's good stuff. Well, it, it's a world. It's an alternate reality where the ruling class, the people that run the world, the, the elites, are vampires. Right. And uh, you know they've come out of the shadows and basically taken over. And this is you know, their trials and tribulations and intrigues because they're soulless creatures. Yeah. And then my end of it is this this human police officer who's introduced uh to create a uh like a police procedural mystery subplot right. for what Vox laid down. And then he's gonna get his own spin-off series, which oh, I've already cool. started writing.
1: Wow. They keep you busy over at Octurns, don't they? You know, like you 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 know, you put out like I actually, I, I enjoy reading the, the daily thing. Now I read it, it goes so fast, but I've yeah. told you this before. It really reminds me of of the, of the old papers, like the comic strips.
0: Right, uh, right. Like
1: it's, but it's, you know, the modern technology, you can read it on your phone. Like it's panel by panel. So yeah. how, how many episodes would it be? Is it like, it's like a hundred episodes to make a, a graphic novel. Like how, you know, how many does it take?
0: Yeah, pr- probably, you know, between 75 and hundred, it depends on the length of the episodes. Like, uh, the series I do something big, each mm. week it's like two pages of a comic. Right. So okay. once we get past 50 episodes, we got a graphic novel. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you've got an
1: inbuilt audience because I imagine that there would be a lot of people who may not have even sort of been big traditional comic book readers who might have come onto that site now because it really is an experience where you can read on your phone or on your iPad. And so you're bringing in a different audience, you know?
0: Yeah, there's a tremendous amount of variety. I mean, I, just about every genre you can think of is represented there. A, mm. a, and, you know, um, and there's a few, you know, like, uh, you know, politically bent short strips, sure. like, the, like the editorial cartoon in the newspaper. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of that. And, you know, uh, we, we've passed 10 million views and growing more rapidly all the time. And, I'm, and I suspect once things get moving with the print versions, mm. there'll be even more attention brought to it.
1: Do you think that um, the comic stores will stock them? Because like, isn't there something about how they try to block people and stuff these days? Like, will they all, you
0: know? Well, there's alternate distribution. I mean, it's yeah. one of the reasons we'll, we'll be crowdfunding.
1: Oh, Chuck, I lost yeah, you. I, Sorry, I lost we you We don't even specific.
0: worry about – nobody worries about the distribution system or the stores anymore. Yeah. Because – bypassed it. Uh, we don't want to be at their mercy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird because
1: to me, if I'm running a store – I'm ordering what sells. You know what I mean? I don't really care about, like, the, you know, quote-unquote politics of the day or whatever. You know, if people want um, Midnight's War, I'm stocking Midnight's War. That's it.
2: Right. You know, like, right. it's,
1: I, you know, it, but as you say, like, you're going alternate crowdfunding. I mean, this thing with Stallone showed, like, you raised, when I looked at it, it was, like, over 150K or something. I was like, Jesus. Like, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, and look, so, okay, so that that was my question. So it's, it's, it's a collection of what is on, on the Archive and Arcturn site, yep?
0: Yeah, yeah, because uh, Adam, here, the artist on it, he drew pages. Mm. So he drew it to be printed, and then, and then they reformatted it for the digital thing. A, a lot of our artists are doing that. They're, they're, they're either drawing it as a page or thinking of it. Yeah. Uh, like, I can take these panels and assemble a page out of
1: them. Yeah, cool. Okay. You've also got um, this spin rack w- with uh, Graham Nolan coming out. Like, uh, do you no. want to give us the sort of, I know that it's very early stages. Do you want to give us the, the sort of like, you know, pitch?
0: Well, we're calling it Comics 3.0. It's, um, it's comics that are digital, but I, the most important thing about it is uh, it's based on all the intellectual property owned by Graham Nolan and myself that sure. we either created together or created separately. So you got this, already have this vast universe of characters and locations and situations and everything else. And the important thing for fans to remember is it's, we're not licensing this stuff. Mm. We are SpinRack. Yes. Uh, it's creator-owned. It's creator-driven. We're allied with some incredibly talented people in tech, financing, gaming, all the rest, to take these characters to the next level, into gaming, the metaverse, uh, physical merchandise, utility... Utilities, all kinds of crazy stuff that these guys have planned for wow. these characters. Wow! So, and did, did you bring in like like outside finance, something to like finance all this? Like, yeah, yeah, we got people that are really good at this. Wow! Really good at putting deals together and and stuff like that. So you, know
2: I, you know, I
0: yeah, I want to stress that it, that you know we we're owners. Here yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I. and then uh, the other thing to stress is we're not abandoning print publication by any means because we love paper comics so we're going to continue to work i'll continue to with Arctunes, graham will continue with compass comics i'll continue with uh splato and 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 all the other people that i work with but this is something that takes our work a lot of our past work and brings it to a whole new audience that we could never reach
1: I think it's fantastic, man. Uh, Gee, you you, you can have DeBorn, my character, if you want, if you want to do something with that.
0: (laughs) Well, we're going to be reaching out to a lot of people. Once we get established you know, and we're completely capitalized and we can make good on our promises, uh, we're going to be reaching out to a lot of creators. Uh, We really want this to be a home, a venue, for as many people as we can get. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I
1: know Graham's got a lot of his own stuff going on on his Facebook, I always see. And, and, I mean, my God, your history... the amount of stuff that you must have that you've done over the years. Because I remember I once said to you, when we first started chatting like 10 years ago, I said, Chuck, have you ever thought about um, doing like, you know, image or indie? And you were like, I did a lot of indie in the 80s, Dave. And I, yeah. and, and I didn't, like, I didn't know, Chuck. You know what I mean? Oh no no, no, no. Yeah. And, I, and,
0: I did too much stuff. Nobody knows all of yeah,
1: it. Yeah, like, I, I'm like, okay. I'm, yeah, fair enough. And, but like, now that I know, I'm like, yeah, there's a, there's a wealth of material now Something that um, I want to – I've always wanted to get my hands on, but I can't because I'm in Australia, Mad Dogs. You're putting out – you're re-releasing Mad Dogs. Is it next year? Yeah,
0: yeah. Brett Smith uh, loves Mad Dogs, and he wants to – he's coloring it. He's going to package it and handle the crowdfunding and all the rest of it uh, and put it out in a brand-new form. And then hopefully, if we reach our goal, I'll write a a new 30-page story.
1: Oh well, uh, I'll be too bad to it. So it looks awesome. It was it was originally it was a black and white, and it, it, what yeah. is it? It's it's cops pushed to the limit. Is that what the story is like? Like, is yeah, that...
0: it's it's got, it's got a real. It's done in the nineties, but it's got a real seventies or eighties cop movie feel. Yeah. and it's set in Philadelphia. I grew up in Philadelphia. I don't know if in Australia you know the reputation of Philadelphia cops, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Philly's a tough town, and the cops are really. T- to give you an example, a a police officer shot a handcuffed suspect. This was in the seventies, right. and uh, his defense at the trial was, "My gun went off when I was pistol whipping him." <laughs> that's Philadelphia in a nutshell. Yeah, that's yeah, that's
1: how old school police work.
0: <laughs> yeah. So this is a bunch of misfit cops, you know, put together uh, to solve a homicide case that they that they're basically put in place to fail. Right. And, uh, yeah it's violent and nasty and, you know... I'm down. Retro, <laughs> retro cop action. I'm down for that, man. Like,
1: to me, there's... I'm always up for the cop stuff. Like, um, one of my favourites is um, in TV's The Shield, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, man, that it is... has
0: a lot of that feel, a uh, lot of that.
1: That, that guy, um, Michael Chiklis plays, I can't think of the character's name. He is gold, you know? Yeah, Vic. Vic, yes, Vic. And, like, it's so... Like, weirdly... Uh, like it's kind of nuanced because, like, he's constantly on the line. Like he's good and bad, oh, yeah. you know. Like it's, yeah, it's. Man, I'm yeah, his
0: his moral compass was spinning all day long.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was. And he's, he's he's handling the wife. He's handling the kids. He's handling the corruption. He's handling. He's got so much stuff going on. This guy, how can he sleep?
0: <laughs> uh, and I like that. You know, you would you would like the character and you would relate to him. And then he would do something horrible. <laughs> you are like,
2: Ugh, yeah, I he,
1: don't know. He had cold blood underneath. He kind of had like a heart, but also cold blood. It was a mixture. It was a great character. I think he. Oh yeah, yeah, really Fantastic did well.
2: Stuff.
1: Um, now another one, project that I wanted to ask you about while I've got you on the show is I know uh, with Flynn Henry you did Lord Dog. Is there any chance of you putting out like a collection of that? Like, do you own that?
0: Yeah, I own it. Flint and I own it entirely. Uh, we've got all the original art um, and and. The actually the first three properties we're going to launch with at SpinRack are Law Dog, uh, Joe Frankenstein by Graham and I, and my sister Suprema. So they're going to be the first three properties we launch with with uh, games and you know all kinds of tchotchkes and wow, stuff like wow. That. Wow, that's
1: so, awesome. I was going to ask you about my sister Suprema because I know that on um on the internet that, and on your Facebook that gets a lot of heat. Like there's a, there's a lot of eyes on that one. You know?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I've, I've you know. It's, it's a fun property and it's high concept enough, uh, that people get it. Yeah. Uh, and it's an idea I had years and years ago, but I could never find the right artist. And then, uh, I ran into Anthony Gonzalez Clark and he's just killing it. He's, I mean, I thought he was the right guy and then he started doing it. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy's so perfect. He makes, he makes the funny situation so much funnier yeah. uh, by his portrayals. So, uh, it's a- he's, he's just, he's just awesome. He's making it really work.
1: Do you find it, um, as a writer, like, my sister's a prima? it's comedy, and then you do a lot of action. Like, do you find it hard to, to, or you don't find it hard to switch between the genres? Like, how do you organize your day when you're doing, like, say, four different things?
0: Well, I, you know, I kind of, like, dedicate a week to this and a week to that. You know, just sort of get my head back in it. Um, It's all story. Uh, There's more of a... I mean, there's obviously more humor in My Sister Suprema, mm. but I put humor in everything. I yeah. mean, uh, I, I, I I did a podcast earlier today, and I said, you know, there's actually a funny chapter in First Kills. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I believe It's it. darkly funny, but it's funny.
2: Yeah, well,
1: you you are right. Like, even your leave on Kay, which is pretty dark, there's humor yeah. in there. You know, like, there's, there's people making jokes and stuff. Like, there's the, right. the cops who are chasing him. They've kind of got a banter going. You know, it's... Yeah, it is. So, I, I, so you sort of dial it up and down as you're doing the project.
0: Yeah, and I always I always think that, you know, some of the th- ways that Levon reacts to things are funny. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, he's not trying to be funny, obviously, but no, I, I think get the it. reader yeah. gets a, a kick out of it. So. And I remember in bad
1: times, bad times you had a lot of banter between the soldiers, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love those guys, man, on
0: that boat. You know? <laughs> I had a couple of guys who were Afghanistan or Iraq vets tell me, "Hey, you caught the way we talk to each other." I'm like, "Yeah, that's cool," because I've talked to so many of you guys. Yeah. You know, I was trying to capture that feel.
1: Yeah, you capture the voice. I, I heard an interview with Brian Azarello, who did like 100 Bullets and stuff. Like, great writer, and he was saying that, like, when he was writing it, a lot of the dialogue he would get by listening. He'd be on trains, buses, whatever. And the dialogue around him, he, he, he had an ear for it, you know, and it, oh, fed, yeah. it fed into the work kind of thing.
0: And like, you've yeah, always, I'm always been, listening you know, for phrases. If I'm in line at the supermarket, I'm listening to the people in front of me as they're talking. Cause you, you never know what you're going to hear. Yeah. You're a true writer, Chuck, in that sense. <laughs> you got many Aussies, you got
1: many Aussies in your, in your works. I'm not sure if I've seen too many Aussies.
0: Yeah, no, cause I don't want to get it wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, for some reason I can't resist the temptation to put Scots in my stories yeah. and then I regret it because I got to look up all of the slang and <laughs> I don't want to get it wrong you know and I'm sure I do. I'm sure people are outraged but but, but, but I, I just I can't resist the Scots because they, they've got so many weird words they come up with.
1: Yeah, and I tell you what you sometimes you can go to into Scotland and you see the documentaries and stuff where they're talking and it's thick like the yeah. the accent, it can really get thick, you know? Yeah. I work with quite a lot of Welsh and um, when the Welsh are talking to each other after a few drinks, it can, it, the accent really can go, it can jump up there when they're talking amongst themselves sometimes. If alcohol, Well, I, I, I
0: remember, I remember once I was, when I was working at Cross I was working with Mike Perkins who's, you know, from England and um, I said in the story, I, I need a, it's an English guy but I need him to be surprised and I need him to say something. What's, What's a what would an Englishman say if he was surprised? And Mike said, oh, he'd say, blimey. And yeah. I started laughing. I said, no, seriously, what would he say? And he goes, yeah, I would say, blimey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. And maybe I'll write an Australian character, and I'll just run it by you. I'll run yeah, all dude, it
1: that's fine. Life. Yeah, we'll oh, yeah, run it by me. We're pretty easy. Like, we're, not, we're not hard. It gets um, – I mean, you'd remember Paul Hogan. It gets like cliched and overdone, so it's not as much, yeah. you, you know. But it, you, I don't
0: want to go there. <laughs> no, no, I know. But
1: like, but like, that's where it used to go in the '80s and '90s. You know what I mean? They went right all the way there, kind of thing. And I think they've yeah. they've dialled it. But we've got a lot of um, we've got a lot of US influences here, to be honest. Like, you know, yeah. like like everywhere else. Now, um, it wouldn't be an interview uh, with you, Chuck, without mentioning Punisher. And I don't want to go into it too deep, but. Um, you know how uh, you have always said you used to rip Punisher storylines out of the headlines um, when you were writing it? Like, you know, you'd get ideas out of the paper and stuff like that and a perfect opportunity for Frank Castle. Um, they had the recent uh, sad shooting in the gay nightclub, and I was thinking, oh. you know how they're always like, oh, Marvel is scared about Punisher, but I'm like, if you gave Frank a mission to hunt down, like, the shooter, to hunt down the people behind it, like, and sort of like, in my mind, when you used to write him, it, Punisher was there to right wrongs. You know what I mean? Like that—that right. that was essentially right. what he did. It wasn't like a oh, Punisher like this massive like Nazi. That was not. A, if right. anything, he na- would kill na- a Nazi. You know? Right? Um. Did you know? What I mean, like, if would you when you see something like that, which is so tragic, does your mind still go, man? I could. I've got a Frank Castle thing where he could react to that.
0: Oh yeah, I, I you know I. With with the rising crime rate in the United States, I think of the Punisher every time I watch the news. Yeah, all the stuff I see, you know, the rampant shoplifting in L.A. Yeah, uh, you know, rioting, you know, uh, the uh, the anti Asian crimes going on in New York City. Yeah, stuff like that. I mean, you can't. I can't help but think of boy, what if Punisher was on that subway platform? Yeah, you know. Yeah, he, yeah. He'd he take, he take that guy down. You know, because you know our cities are like are turning the. You know, some of our cities, the mismanaged ones, are turning into lawless shooting galleries. I mean, in Chicago recently, they let a bunch of guys who had a shootout on the street in broad daylight, they let them go because they said it was mutual combat. Are you kidding? And it's like, where is that in the United States Constitution? (laughs) Mutual combat? That's crazy, man. This isn't Dodge City. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I thought that stuff went out with White herb Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh well, he drew first, you know. It's like, no, that doesn't count here anymore.
1: So that's crazy. Like, what's so weird is if you and I went out with a gun and caused havoc, we'd be arrested. But these yeah. gangs, for some reason, are allowed to prosper. And and I say it all the time here. What amazes me is when we know the criminals there, we know that they're the drug dealers. We know all this shit. Well, why haven't we gone in? Real hard. Right. Why are we right. sitting there waiting? Like, oh, one day we'll catch them doing it. I mean, yes, you know, I just don't get it. Like, it's bizarre. But but isn't it funny? And it's sad I, I, that Marvel have just lost any semblance of balls regarding the Punisher. Like, they're so scared of the Punisher, um, and I don't. And it's almost like they're scared themselves. You know, like I don't even understand
0: why. Like, I, th- I think they find the character distasteful. And and they have for a long time. I, yeah, I remember when they stopped the original run of the books. and yeah. an editor editor told me they were going to reboot the Punisher, but he was going to be kinder and gentler. <laughs> it's like, well, man, you, you don't get this character that, at all. And <laughs>
1: you know, you, you don't get the character. You also don't get the readership because I don't. I think the ah. readership that used to support that comic when you you guys were writing it, like Mike Barron you, yourself, you know, for a long time. I mean, the audience showed up month after month we supported multiple titles um war right. Zone, war journal the regular punisher whatever um that audience knew what it wanted and marvel gave it to them and then marvel was like no you can't have that anymore please right. no you and you're bad people as well
0: like- yeah 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 you're wrong for wanting this it's like i'm sorry you know how is frank castle different than like you know our classic western heroes you know exactly Solve like, a problem, shoot the guy. No more problem.
1: But but like the remember even stuff like um, you know Death Wish Equalizer. I mean, there's just so right. many examples of vigilantes. How come vigilantes are allowed everywhere? Everywhere but in Punisher comics. It,
2: it, yeah, it, in
1: Punisher, it's you're naughty for liking it. But like every other vigilante is <laughs> fine. Like it's it's just weird. Like I don't get it. Now, um, moving on. I I recently. Um, I watched that show, Sharp, and I started watching it, and and as I was watching it, for listeners who don't know, it's got Sean Bean, it's the Wars. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really cool. As I'm watching it, Chuck, I'm thinking, this has to be a show that Chuck Dixon has watched. Um, And I asked you, and you were all over it. Um, Now, I'm thinking, they're based on books, which I haven't read because I'm a bad person, but I've been watching (laughs) the show because I'm an illiterate Australian. No, um, but, like... I'm thinking historical fiction, is this something you touched on it? Like, I know one of your Bad Times novels, which I loved, was set in Rome. Historical fiction, is this something that you would look at, you know, when your schedule clears a bit, um, you know, in terms of novels or comics or whatever?
0: Yeah, I mean, Bad Times is a way I could sort of put my toe into historical fiction without having to worry about the language because it was contemporary people. Yeah, You know, I've written two Westerns and – you know, they were, they were very much in period, particularly the second one, yeah. uh, La Gringa. Uh, you know, but I didn't have to do as much research on Westerns because I know a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but man, when you get into the Napoleonic War and things like that, um, the people that read them are, un- I mean, I read a lot of that myself. Sure. And I know you're unforgiving if they get something wrong. Yeah, I was, yeah, uh, so was going to
1: say that. Yeah,
0: the, the amount of time that would be required to research. I mean, maybe, maybe when I'm older, a little older, I'll do the historical. I'll, I'll do like Patrick O'Brien and wait till I'm almost retired and start writing historical fiction.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, wh- why not? I mean, I like I, I do think it's some. Like, I mean, look, it, I, I'm interested in it myself as a writer, and I also think it's something that if you ever wanted to, as you say, when you're almost tried turn your hand to, I could see it. Like, 100%. Yeah. Like, that sharp stuff, it, what I like is you don't have to – it's not the breadth of the Napoleonic Wars. It's one man's story, you know, right. at, at different flashpoints. I've only watched the first few, but, I mean, I also love Sean Bean, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And I And I must admit that I just stumbled on the show. But, yeah, it's interesting. I've got an idea. Um, all my research that I'm doing is, you know, in, obviously, ancient Rome, um, the Silk Road to China, yeah? Right. You know the Silk Road – I mean, I, I'm, I'm convinced there's a story there. You know, like, well, well, you know.
0: There's actually there's actually a Jackie Chan movie. Yeah. That deals with the Roman army meeting the Chinese army. Really? Well, I should yeah. check that out. Yeah. Like, uh, John, John Cusack and Jackie Chan. Really, I forget the name of it. Wow, I'll check yeah. that out after the show. Because yeah, that's a big epic rock 'em sock 'em, you oh. know, chop chop movie. Yeah, did not know that.
1: Because I mean, I mean, my story would be like, uh, it, look, it's good, my story is going to be crazy. It's going to have aliens and stuff in it as well. But like, <laughs> but but like, <laughs> so course, my my, my story is going to be nuts. But in essence, <laughs> it's going to be a trader going from like the middle, you know, like Jerusalem, which is part of the Roman Empire, all the way through to get to right. China or whatever, like. Uh, and I've done a bit of research, and they're always like, "Oh, no traitor ever did that because it was all middlemen." I'm like, "Yeah, well, it's, this is a story, you know what I mean?" And it's a fucking road, so right. <laughs> like, you know, no, you know, no, we you don't know. know, we don't know, yeah, but know. we don't know, yeah, and like, it wouldn't be the first time in history someone's written a story where they've bent the truth a little bit, you know, like,
0: well, you know, that's the, that was my whole premise behind Bad Times. There's so much we don't know about the past that you can yeah. extrapolate a lot of things because, you know, people have theories, but they haven't proven them. I mean, they they find people in bogs in Scotland, mm. you know, that were there. They've been there for thousands of years mm. and they empty their pockets because they're still in preserved because they're in these peat bogs mm. and they empty their pockets and they have Roman coins dating from before the conquest. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, how could this person? Well, how could this person have this coin? Well, maybe they traveled a lot more than we think they did. Totally. Like, I mean, and it doesn't no, maybe they were be, a lot yeah. more global
2: than
1: we think. They well, were. they had a boat and they went to Scotland. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it's and it doesn't need to be like the Roman army. It could be, you know, like their version of not a missionary, but their version of that, or a trader, or whatever, right. or someone who gets you know blown off course. Like what? You know, these are stories. Like this is what yeah, makes it exactly. entertaining. You know, I always find like. Because I, I like reading my history. I like it when it's not quite like, it's just like reading a novel, but it's not too dry. Like that middle ground. Right. When I'm reading, you, you know, because I'm reading like some Adrian Goldsworthy, which is, he does like How Rome Fell, like their history, he's got stuff on like Roman generals and all that. Like, I think it's good stuff, man. Like, you anyway, know, now something I have got into recently, Chuck, um, is the DC war comics from
0: like the 60s and 70s. Did yeah.
1: you Did you read a lot of this stuff when you were oh, growing yeah. up?
0: yeah oh yeah yeah i love that stuff and, and dc war comics particularly in the early 70s comics don't get better than that yeah they really matured over time and yeah. they were telling really terrific dramatic stories about men in combat um yes i 100 agree and,
1: and i think that um in all those years when you were at dc did you sort of petition them at any point to do a war book like an unknown soldier a Haunted tank a sergeant rock like were you behind the scenes
0: well, on, on the 50th anniversary of the Battle of the Bulge, the editor who was handling the War comics said we should do an anniversary, Sergeant Rock special, which I did. Oh, sweet. And I really enjoyed it. I got to work with Russ Heath. You yeah. Know, and yeah. got to work with my buddy Graham Nolan, Eduardo Barreto. And I'm I'm really proud of how that book came out. And then that editor gave up editorship of the War books, and they were handed to another editor. Right. And I approached him and said, uh, I would love to tackle some of these War comics. Yeah. If, if that's what you want to do. And he said, only Garth Ennis will write War Comics here. Only Garth Ennis, who's also... Only Garth book, Ennis yeah, will be allowed okay. to write War Comics. And I'm like, man, nothing against Garth, but yeah. hey, come on. Well, why only one? Like, I mean, there's... Why like, only one? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's you know,
1: so weird, man. Like, because look, the, he can write as well. He's a fantastic writer, but like... When oh, I when mean, t-
0: And I know he had nothing to do with this. No, decision. no. It's in the editor.
1: <laughs> it's weird. But But I would have thought looking at your... I mean, look. You know, knowing knowing you, knowing your work, like you're a perfect fit. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I love that. I absolutely love that stuff. Did you ever meet um, Robert Caniger? Who?
0: D- oh did, yeah. Did you meet him?
1: Like, have you got any yeah. stories, man?
0: Like, when I when I first started going up to DC uh, to like basically bother them for pester them for work, yeah. Uh, um, I was still a fan. You know, I wasn't professional. Yeah. In, in comics, Caniger uh, would be there every Wednesday. And that's when they would allow freelancers to come in. Okay. And and Kanegar no longer had an office because he wasn't working there anymore. So they gave him a sofa. (laughs) He sort of had a sofa in a hallway. And that's where he would park himself. And if you were walking along, he would engage you in a conversation. And once he started talking to you, you were his for the rest of the afternoon as he told you story after story after story. It It was fascinating. Yeah, that, that's cool. And what was he like?
1: Because I've heard he was quite difficult, but brilliant.
0: Is that did oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was it was his way or the highway all the time, and he uh, he's a little bit bitter about how he'd been treated. But sure. he gave me my first comic script. I'd never seen a comic script, so he gave me one of his. Yeah, and it's the script form I still use. It's it's perfect script form. Yeah, but but he was. Uh, I mean, the story is is that when he left DC. He thought he was like editor emeritus and he would be able to return whenever he wanted. Right. And so he thought his office was his like till the end of time. Right. And and they gave his office to a young editor who was too embarrassed to tell Kaniger, this isn't your office anymore. Right. So that that editor would go work in the break room every Wednesday. <laughs> And And finally, they said, look, you got to tell him. He doesn't work here anymore. (laughs) Wow.
1: So, I mean, look, I don't know the ins and outs, but I I do know that he, all that war stuff, I mean, he was behind a lot of it, yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, so was he old, like, by that point? Like, was he in his 60s or 70s, or was he younger?
0: Yeah, he was was probably in his late 60s, and, you know, know, um, been down a hard road. He looked every minute of it. Did he? Uh, Yeah, yeah, and he was... um, he wasn't the nicest guy in the world. I mean, freelancers talked about uh, what a terrible person he could be. Wow. Um, tearing up scripts, tearing up artwork. Yeah. Uh, um, um, one of the guys, uh, Murphy Anderson, told me a story that Kaniger would um, stand on his desk and make you jump for your paycheck. Uh, really? He came your paycheck. Yeah, I mean, stuff like so that. He was, a,
1: he was a prick,
0: basically, but, but, yeah, br- yeah. Br- but a mean, brilliant prick. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes, but, but a lot of the guys... It, a lot of the editors at DC were abusive like that in yeah. those days. They weren't nice guys. I mean, Stan, Stan was a revelation Stan yeah. Lee came along because he was like, you know, everybody loves Stan. Exactly. I mean, who, who wouldn't love Stan? I mean, he, yeah. he, you know what? I love that he was a hustler as well. You know, I, oh, yeah I, I, yeah. I
1: love that. Like, he, everyone's
0: like, oh, you should just salesman." salesman. I'm like, yeah, and he was good at it. You know, like. <laughs> there, wouldn't, there wouldn't be American comics if it wasn't Stan Lee. Yeah. They, they would have been washed up in the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. Like, I honestly... I was thinking this the other day, and my thoughts, you know, and I was like, you know how in the late 70s, the period you're talking about, you know when they had the implosion and they were talking about, like, maybe just uh, reprinting the old stuff? Right. I honestly, weirdly, considering the movies make squillions, they're almost there now with the comics again. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. like, they've it's it, somehow they've failed to in any way milk the movie audiences at all. They've made no penetration, and their 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 original audience is just gone, basically.
0: Yeah, they've never figured out how to do that because they've never figured out how to market. And Mm. they fail every time they... They succeed every time they market, but they never repeat the success. And, uh, I mean, sales figures now are below the cancellation rates of the 70s. Oh, way below, aren't they? Yeah, it's sad. Like, I mean, if a book fell below 75,000 in the 70s, it was cancelled. Today, a book selling like twenty-one, 22,000 copies, that's, crazy. you know, and that's considered a success. Yeah, when uh, you were doing,
1: um, like, if you go back to your DC, like, the tail end, say when you were doing Birds of Prey and Nightwing and all that, which were great, by the way, did you know what they were selling compared to now? Like, were they, you know...
0: Yeah, they would send royalty statements with, with the hard numbers on it. And oh, really? You would see the, the newsstand sales and the direct sales. And, you know, we were doing okay. We were, yeah. you know, up above 100,000 most of the time and yeah. occasionally into the millions, uh, right. depending yeah. on the product. I mean, um, and then depending on how many times you went back to press, if something was successful, we'd go back to press. So you know, it was a great time to be in comics. Because- so it's
1: kind of collapsed since then because I'm remembering oh, yeah. that it was. It's, it's
0: already yeah. collapsed. It's already over with. It's yeah. These are the death rattles we're seeing.
1: It does feel like that, man. Like when I go down to the because because you know I I pick up a lot of reprints. You look at my shelves. I've got like many many trades. But yeah. like but like the sad part is, in terms of the new stuff that we do for the show, so often I say to Rich, I go, "It's flashback Friday, Rich. There, there ain't nothing good out." <laughs> like <Right. laughs> like. I love Batman. I love Batman like, Eddie, like I'm wearing a Batman cap. I love Batman. But the way they've milked the Batman and, and milk him now, it's like, hey, kids, you want 20 Batman comics this week? And I'm like, right. not really. You know, right. <laughs> if you could spread it out a bit, it, but yeah. like, it's, it's like DC, um, sadly, it's like they're one thing.
0: Now, it's weird. Yeah, they they have nothing else that, that, that moves the needle. And, and if you look at their publication list, it's it's very short. They're not mm. putting out, even in reprint, they're not putting yeah. out as much material as they were a year ago.
1: Yeah. Which is very, very sad. It, it is. I, I think they're in real trouble. But what's so weird is they're backed by this major corporation that really, I mean, how much of a dent are these comics putting in the bottom line? Like, they could... In my mind, you could go in there and sort of recapitalize the whole thing and change it all up. Like, you've got the money behind you to do it, you know?
0: Well, maybe not, because, no? I mean, when Discovery Channel bought Warner's and did the audit, they found out that Warner's was $45 billion in debt. Oh, geez. So, so uh, that's that's the reason why uh, they've made so many rash decisions about laying people off, cancelling projects, cancelling shows, cancelling movies, Yeah. and... Uh, I don't know. I know they're looking at DC, but I don't know what they're going to do. And my assumption is they're going to shut it down yeah. and turn it into a licensing house. And they'll license the Batman, Superman, the rest of them yeah. out to people that might do a better job.
1: Well, the way they're going, maybe that's the answer, you know, because um, it, it is a poor state. So just going quickly back to the war stuff, one thing they should do is while you're reprinting omnibuses of stuff no one cares about, put out an omnibus of the DC war stuff, please. Oh, God. I'd love it. I'd love it. Bronze Age, you know, late 60s, early 70s, get it out there. The audience will turn up. Um, I read on or heard on a show recently, it was from someone who was working at DC, that apparently, allegedly, they're no longer allowed allowed to have guns on the covers. And I was... But I was like... How pussified have they become and we've become? Like, you go back to the old War comics, they're blowing people away like you wouldn't believe, like Sergeant Rock and Easy Company, all that stuff. Right. And now we're not allowed to have guns on cover, Chuck, because it's just problematic, you know?
0: That's, you know, who do they think are going to buy these things? Yes,
1: I don't know. I don't know what they... I mean, I'm remembering as a little kid, you know, we, we were playing soldiers, cowboys, Indians, whatever. There were guns involved. You know, like, yes. it, it was yeah. fake guns. We weren't actually shooting at people. But, like, I, I, I'm, like, at a certain point, I, I said this, I think, to Mike Barron. It's going to – we were talking about Marvel. I said it's going to get around to Wolverine talking about his personal pronouns. You know,
0: it's, it's going to get there and – If it isn't already. I mean, I yeah. don't follow the stuff. I just assume that they're doing that kind of stuff Pro- all the time. Probably uh, they, are. they are. But, but, but I, I wish they would look at the war comics not necessarily as war comics mm. or reprinting them from Nostalgia. But look at what those guys were doing, particularly in the early 70s. Yeah. They were th- – that was where it was all happening, man. They were doing – they were experimenting with cinematic storytelling. Yeah. In and, and, and ways that none of the other comics were. I mean, they are just – it's just top drawer stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I really think it needs to be brought to an audience to appreciate it. It, it, it was a golden age. 100% uh, for agree that comic th-
1: That's how I fell into it. I fell into it out of interest. I heard you talk about it. I – would I know the names, like, so yeah. with, with Kaniger, just to touch base on this, so why did he leave, like, he, if he was pumping out all this war stuff? Do, was he just not selling, or did they push him out, or do you know?
0: Oh, well, Kaniger, well, the problem was is you had the arrival of editors who were fans, who were comic fans. Right. Uh, before this, they weren't. They were newspaper men or from publishing or whatever. They weren't comic fans. Now you had comic fans editing. And comic fans only cared about superheroes. Right. And so they began to leech talent away from the war books and de-emphasize the war books. And I think what killed the war books ultimately, because they were the b- biggest sellers at DC. Yeah, yeah. Um, what killed them eventually was hiring Filipino artists to work on them. Right. Now there's nothing wrong with Filipino artists. Those guys, yeah. are they, they were amazing artists but they had no affinity for American war comics. Yeah, right. And the reader can feel that. Yes. Because most of the guys drawing DC war comics had been in World War II. You know? Yeah, right. So they had a feel for what everything should look like because they were, they'd been there.
2: Mm.
0: You brought in these Filipinos and the artwork's gorgeous, but it's, it's emotionally dead gotcha. because they, they don't relate to it. They just don't relate to this material.
1: Yeah, I get you because I'm remembering in when I'm young, very young, that war stuff. We're talking back in the day when I was still in news agents here in Australia. That war stuff was always there. Like it was, it was, it was like obviously it was like you know Batman, Superman, yada yada yada. But there was always a war book there, just like there was always a Conan book there. Um, There was always that variety. well, well, Well,
0: when you think about it, I mean, Batman had two books at DC, Superman had two books. There were five. DC War books every month. Yeah, five. So that's crazy. how well they
1: sold. And and they've just abandoned it. Like they're almost like yeah. war comics. What are you talking about? Like <laughs> we 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 never we never did that. Um, no. you you know who currently has a Sergeant Rock um book out? It's Bruce Campbell, the actor. Um, you yeah, know, yeah, 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 great I'm
0: actually book. looking forward to that.
1: It, look, I can tell you what we've done it on Signal. It's fun. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. And I, I, but I feel like it's only because it's Bruce Campbell that they're doing a Sergeant Rock, right. you know. Because otherwise, right. it's they're like, no, we don't, we we don't want to remember it at all. But no, it is, it's Sergeant Rock versus kind of like undead. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. It's it's cool, it's cool. Um, now, I just wanted to ask you, take us through your process. How much has changed for you when you're breaking in the mainstream on like Savage Sword of Conan to when you were working in the Bad Office? uh to now how much changes for you as a writer or does nothing change like your process you, you sit down with a blank page and you know have you well, the way i work
0: yeah the way i work hasn't changed the only thing that's changed is uh i gotta do all my own marketing right you know i'm i'm you know i've got to you know, not that i don't like doing this i like no, doing yeah, this but i've got to go on and i've got to talk to people like you to yeah. get the word out because uh, there's nobody's going to do it for me and You know, you know, because you're in this space, that it's this is hard. Promoting is hard. Sure, Uh, they don't make it easy on you. Uh, It's one of the reasons I'm I'm looking forward to being a part of Spin Rack because we're going to have you know a PR marketing firm behind us. Yes, um, you know to push the stuff out. But um, you know uh, the the amount of time that the that the promotion takes. Yes, because. You know, uh, it, it takes away from the writing, and I'm I'm more and more jealous of my writing time. No, but that's really the only change. You know, uh, the, the the upside is there's no real gatekeepers. I write what I want to write. Yeah. If somebody asks me to write something, and if I want to, I write it, and they pretty much leave it alone. They they know what I'm going to do, so they hire me to do what I do, yeah. and there's no. You know, I can't be fired because I don't work for anybody. <laughs> you can't find
1: <laughs> Chuck, you've been a very bad boy today. You're fired today.
0: Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the yeah. thing is that, that a lot of the you know, all of these smaller, you know, one guy publishers, you know, uh, uh, Richard and Eric July and and, and everybody else, uh, they're they're good with the royalties. Yes. You know, they, they share the wealth. Thank so, God.
1: Thank God, Chuck, because that's yeah. important. Like and yeah. in, in all fairness, what, something I meant to mention when they put out like the Savage Sword of Conan omnibus, you're getting a piece of that, aren't you? when your stuff? Comes yeah, yeah, out? but
0: Marvel's Marvel's royalties are horrible. DCs are, are better, but okay. Marvel's royalties are
1: sad. Yeah, that's pathetic. Yeah. So, yeah. so thank like oh, thank God they're sharing the wealth, and also thank God that you were at Batman for so long and all the Batman stuff, <laughs> because you know what they they can't stop putting that stuff out because that was a no. golden era of Batman right. in the 80s and 90s in, like that was a beautiful era of Batman. I always say to people people was like what's the best Batman story and they, they mention stuff like from recent years I'm like try Nightfall. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. seriously, go back and try Nightfall, go try Death in the Family, stuff like that, like good stuff. You know like yeah. um I was I was saying the other day that um one of the th- reasons, I, I, I honestly believe, when they've decided the only way to... You know, they're always trying to make the characters more mature. Give everyone PTSD at, at DC. Like, <laughs> like Tom King had a... I'm sorry to bring his name in. He had a book where he put Batman and Superman in therapy, Chuck. And, like, come on. Really? You know? Like, what ah. can, what can you, what, you... You know, when, when you come up with that... Who's going to... If I'm the editor, i will be like, is this a joke? Because this would be a good joke issue. You know? Right, right, right. <laughs> but no, everyone was in there. Everyone you can think of. Wonder Woman was in there. Green Lantern was in there. Flash. Everyone was in therapy. And I was like, really? This is the story? Uh,
0: I mean, is this, <laughs> is this the wish fulfillment fantasy you want to sit down and tell, you know, a psychiatrist your problems? I mean... <laughs> I was at, I was at the DC offices one time and I was talking to somebody, I I forget that there was somebody in administration working in marketing or whatever. Yeah. And she was telling me that her and her husband are in therapy. I don't know why people in therapy want to tell you all about it, but they do. Yeah. And she was telling me that they were in therapy. And the interesting thing was, is their therapist was a Holocaust survivor. Wow. And I'm like, how in the world do you tell your problems to a yeah. Holocaust survivor? yeah
1: yeah thank yeah thank you yeah they're like I mean I yeah. would just
0: meet the person they would show me the tattoo on their arm yeah. and I go, you know what I'm good yeah. I'm good I'll pay for the hour yeah. but we're good
1: that, that, and that does sum up a lot of stuff like some I, I think unfortunately and of course obviously it has a place but some people I think just love to talk about their problems they love to whine. Yeah. You know,
0: yeah, and then and then they like to write about them through Batman and Superman. Yeah, yeah.
1: everyone. I I think you did a thing recently on your Facebook where you were like, they, you you needed to make it all PC. You said, and everyone was gay, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Tom King's like, and
0: everyone has PTSD. The end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that's a problem. I mean, I wonder about Kevin Smith because he wrote about Batman peeing his pants. Oh yeah, Kevin Smith have continence problems. Uh, That's (laughs)
1: like that's look. I mean, I know the guy's a humorist and stuff. Although I don't find him that funny, but when he did that, (laughs) did he not think this is Batman? You know, like like this is the tippy top of the characters. Why is Batman peeing his pants? Like this doesn't belong in Batman.
0: You know, I, I I remember when we were leading up to the arrival of Bane. And yeah. we were working to wear Batman down and all of our stories. He wasn't sleeping much. He was, you know, getting exhausted. Yeah. And I remember thinking up, well, what if he's on like a ledge staking a guy out and he falls asleep? Mm. And I, and I, and I thought it's such a departure. I've got to call Denny. I can't write it till I call Denny. Yeah. Call Denny O'Neill. I tell him the thing and he goes, no, that's a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. And I said, well, I didn't want to write it till I ran it by it. Cause I didn't want to diminish the character. He goes, it doesn't diminish the character. No. It tells us, how bad a shape he's in. Well, he was, oh. yeah, man. I mean, you guys, before
1: Bain broke his back, really put him through the ringer.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Like, he was struggling for form, and, um, yeah, no, no, that was great. That was a lot better than Kevin Smith peeing his pants, Chuck. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty low bar to clear, but, yes, you did clear it. <laughs> now, um, I've got a question for you. You know, um, when I talk about writers, like, you've written, like, My God, the the majority of all the licensed characters you've had a hand in at some point. I know some writers, when they finish, say, they finish writing the Punisher or finish writing the Batman, they have a hard time ever reading the character again. Are you that guy? Or do you go, if someone really recommends a story, you'll still check it out? Like, where are you on that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, if someone recommended, I mean, somebody recommended the Garth Ennis stuff, and I looked at it, I was like, damn, why didn't I think of this? Why didn't I think of this? And uh the other time was um i remember batman the animated series uh it was every episode why didn't i think of that uh that was a great one but for the most part no i don't look at the stuff because it's kind of heartbreaking to see you know they generally get it so wrong
1: oh yeah in the last 10 years they've been particularly bad you know uh like but, but some of the characters to me like i mean i i loved your moon knight but but like I, if I'd finished writing Moon Knight, I could give or take Moon Knight. But Batman, for me, would be tough to leave. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's like, different. that's yeah, different. <laughs> you know, it's like... Um, now, we sort of touched on this. I know you're doing the Conan novels. Um, I know, I know. like, it's been about 10 years that you've been pumping out novels, and you did a lot of stuff, like, not just Leave on Cade and Bad Times, but mm-hmm. other one-shots, like Shrinkage and Blooded. Is there any more plans on the novel front beyond just the Conan stuff? Have you got other stuff?
0: No, <laughs> I... We we have I don't know if you have these in Australia. We have something here in the United States called a homeowners association. Right. And 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 you live in a development and you pay like a monthly or quarterly fee to be a part of this homeowners association. And and it's made up of people, it's made up of your neighbors. Yes. And one hundred percent of the time, as soon as they become board members of the homeless association, they become Nazis. <laughs> wow. And, and they and they so I want to write a novel about a homeowner's association going wrong and, and yeah. a, a young married couple who get their revenge on them. That sounds like a good so, story. Yeah, so I've got it mapped out. i got the characters. I know where I'm going with it. And, uh, yeah, that'll be a, a standalone. Probably write it next year. Cool. And with that kind of stuff, you sort of
1: carve out time, don't you? You do your comic stuff, and then you, you carve out a slice of time.
0: Yeah, I just stay way ahead of schedule on everything, so I'm yeah. not pressed. And, and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about a third of the way through a new Levine. K novel now. Oh, it's about uh, to say uh, that, hopefully have it done by the end
1: of the year. They they're really doing well for you, these live on cade novels. Like they've really, you know it's been good. Yeah, we brought it
0: they 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 brought in uh James Reisner who's an actual book guy, mm. uh to put put them together and the sales increased. I I, I owe it all to him. Well the, the sales I'm quiet, increased yeah. dramatically, and I owe it to you that anyone <laughs> in Australia reads them because you're like my point man. We well we, we try oh. man. We're we're out there, dude. Um
1: but like <laughs> Does it bleed through to your other novels because they're all good? Like, so do you get Levon Cade fans who get turned on to say you're, you you know, you're blooded or you shrinkage or or your Bad Times? Does it, does it all sort of filter through a bit?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I some fans say, well, will there ever be crossovers between Bad Times and Levon Cade. Sure. And I say, well, uh, if you carefully reread your Levon Cade novels, there have been crossover. He he does mention characters from yeah. the Bad Times. Sometimes obliquely, but he mentions them, and and in the most recent novel, very directly mentions one of the characters. Okay. The uh We'll never see Leobane traveling through time, but no, because that for would me. that would break
1: it. I, I, I think <laughs> that just would break. The, it. I think the Easter eggs are enough. You know. Yes. Yeah. And you'll know yeah, Chuck. For,
0: for my for my you know most ardent fans, it's a little little something for you. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you'll note this is the first time I haven't asked you about a Gomez sequel because uh, I, it doesn't mean I haven't given up hope of that sequel happening, Chuck.
0: <laughs> I, I still have in the back of my head uh, what I want to do, but, you know, did, you know, so many books, so little time.
1: No, that's right. The, you know the reason for me is I'm a zombie fan, and you got it in that in that novel, you got it. Like, it was a good, old-fashioned, like, fun zombie action thing, you know? Yeah,
0: somebody told me earlier today they couldn't finish it because it was giving them nightmares and I'm like, "Oh man, that is so great. That's perfect, man. That's exactly <laughs> that is what So good want. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> when it
1: comes to just, just wrapping up, when it, like you're a writer and writers write, um was it daunting when you made the decision whatever, you know, many years ago when you said, "I'm going to write a novel" after writing so many comics? Was it a big challenge for you or was it easy?
0: Oh no, it was a big challenge because it's intimidating. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, when you're writing comics, you're up against Archie Goodwin, Stan Lee, Larry Hama, and they're great. But sure. there's only really a few great comic book writers, you know, John, yeah. John Stanley, Carl Barks. Uh, but boy, now prose, you're up against Jack London. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like, yeah. well, you know, what, what makes me think I can do this? But, you know, I use the two tools that every writer needs, uh, ignorance and confidence, and I just sort of went into it. Sure. And, and it, you know, it's not my natural form. It's not what I was born to do. I was born to write comics, but sure. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm telling stories I wouldn't be able to tell in comics otherwise.
1: Yeah, because I always think this is purely, you know, I've, I've never written a comic, but the thing with a comic, I love comics, but, like, the way you've got to sort of do it in, you know, it's 20 pages, and I always feel a novel, you can kind of cram in a bit more detail, a bit more story, and, and all that, right. a little bit more depth. Um, and I don't mean that as a slam on comics. I'm just saying they're two different no, no. things. you know.
0: Um, comics are an immediate experience. They're a different experience than reading prose. They're, they're broader, and every, every element in a comic has to engage, amuse, horrify, appall, or you know, mm. make you laugh. Mm. Uh, it's not so true in a novel. You, 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 br- you draw people into a novel, Yeah. and mm. you know, once you've engaged them and once they're interested, they're yours, and then you can take your time. Yeah. But you can't do that in a comic.
1: No, you can't. Of- yeah, like you've got elements of bad times where you have quite a lot of, there's a lot of detail, um, you know, the story every now and then will slow down and you are really absorbing into the time period. And I'm like, that yeah. would be tough to do in a comic. Oh,
0: you know? yeah, yeah, almost impossible. Yeah. Almost impossible. So two
1: different mediums. Now, um, we've got some a couple of questions here from Mike Kellishim, who, by the way, showed me he has like a – um a license or something, like an Eclipse, like, baseball card of you, Chuck, and it's got, like, it's from, like, 92, <laughs> you know, you're rocking yep. the beard back then. It was a little bit more black.
0: Um. Right, quite <laughs> a bit more black. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but, like, it, it's great. Now, so here are his questions. He says, first one is, um, my sister Elizabeth asked, do you plan on adapting Leave on Kate into comics, and if so, can Mary have a Raggedy Ann doll? <laughs> Wow. Yeah,
0: that would be an Easter egg in itself. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, why not? But if I was going to do anything as a comic, it would probably be Bad Times. Yeah, because there's so much eye candy. Totally agree. Uh, but you know, I, who knows? You know, uh, might get to a Levon K series if the finances come
1: through. I always say a Bad Times animated show, Chuck. There you go. Like, yeah, a that'd be fun. Oh man, like serious money though. Now, second question. I love this one what is your favorite manga and have you considered making your own? You could pull a CB Cebulski and turn Japanese. Chuck, <laughs> why? Who could ever forget Akira Yishina, a Kiri Yoshida, CB's alter ego in Japan?
0: Well, I mean, I look at manga as a form, not mm. necessarily, because, I mean, that's the problem that when people try to imitate manga mm. who, who aren't Asian, yeah, they think it's all about big eyes and, and, you know, girls in school uniforms. Sure. And no, it's... There's a form to it, and I think, particularly, my sister Suprema captures that form that that level of pacing and you know um, uh, more attention to detail, not slower pace but more deliberately paced, like a manga is. Yeah. And and the other thing about manga is the, the variety of genres. You know, uh, so many everything. But my favorite mangas, um, I'm reading uh, Vinland Sagas, and I'm oh, really yeah. digging uh a manga about vikings i never thought that was possible but it it's astounding and they, it really do they get it right so i love viking shock do
1: they actually manage to sort of because i'm always like the show the japanese and like manga is doing vikings
0: do they actually get it okay do they they do they okay. really do they they get the look now now there's manga aspects to it because sure. i mean the violence is insane it's wild okay but but they get the attitudes the history the feel the atmosphere yeah, uh, the costuming, I mean some of the costuming gets a little nuts, but again it's manga. Yeah. Uh but uh there's a real saga feel to it. I mean it, it's going on for years now. I think the 13th volume is coming out next month of you know, big hardcover, big fat hardcovers. I
1: should and, check that out. I love my Oh god, it's, stuff. It,
0: yeah. it's terrific. I mean it, it's the the characters really grow on you they really evolve they change over time yeah Uh, their goals their desires and everything it's just a terrific series i can't recommend it enough
1: well well i'm putting that in my list did you ever um have a chance to check out brian wood's northlanders vikings comics they're pretty good which one uh it's called northlanders um no
0: i saw it but i've never i've never checked it out
1: you know what like and i'll say this that they are good but it's it's i never feel like he doesn't have fun with it it's kind of depressing
2: uh you know nah. and I'm,
1: I'm like it, it's it, it's like i get it it was a violent time and it is good comics but i'm like man i would have dug a few more battles you know
0: yeah uh, yeah and you know and, and you know the thing is a, you know the sort of pinhead view of the middle ages is it was all dreary all the time well how could it have been yeah you know there had to be lighter moments Exactly. Um, during
1: all the raping and pillaging, I'm sure that was. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they sang and danced. So. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Tossed
1: babies around on spears. They had a, they had a good old time. Um, now, uh, he says he you wrote two Winnie the Pooh books. Uh, tell yeah. us about, yeah. I mean, wow, tell us about your experience on that and how deep did you get in the mind of Pooh Bear? Uh,
0: pretty deep. I was working for Platin Monk, which was the American publisher mm. uh, for Winnie the Pooh. And uh, they were—they had a contract through Disney to do word books. Cool. So they were just word, you know—they don't have my name on them. Right. Uh, but but I but, but one of them was Travels with Pooh, in which Pooh goes through history and around the world. Really. And, and we show different—you know—this teach kids words, Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in one of them, uh, we have a flashback to uh, Tigger's great grandfather, Two Gun Tigger, and uh, oh, we man. did this Western tableau of Two Gun Tigger. Shooting up the town to stop these bandits from robbing the stage, and of course his, his bullets are made out of rubber, I so they that. bounce all over town. And uh, <laughs> you know, so we—I uh, got away with arming a Disney character. I love it. I'm a tiger, and I can bounce. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the deal with that was I got hooked up with—I uh, I couldn't get anywhere with the editors at Platinum. Gave me a few things to do, but then I met a salesman
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: for the company, and we we hit it off. And he basically created the books we did because he could sell them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we sold like a half million copies of one of the when books.
1: When was this? Was this back at the start of your career or was yeah, it Yeah, like... 70s, 70s. Oh, right, 70s.
0: so way back in the day. Like 70 – I'd say uh, like 79, 80. Wow. Uh, I was doing Winnie the Pooh word books. Wow, Well, You've come a long way,
1: Chuck, all the way from Winnie the Pooh yeah. to – you know. Well, the
0: astounding <laughs> thing about it was in the Platinum offices, they had this glass display case with oh. – with a Winnie the Pooh doll and a Tigger doll and and I said, Wow, what are they recreations of the original Milne? And they said, No, they are the original Milne. Said, really? These are the toys his kids played with
1: That's crazy. Oh, yeah. That's the man, that's almost like Batman with in the you know how he has the Robin costumes in the in the glass right. cabinets and all that That's right. that's
0: cool. Wow, wait. Why don't you have an armed guard standing next to these yeah. twenty four <laughs> hours?
1: A day? I mean I, that's that's amazing. Uh, his next question is, you quantum leap into a comic series you wrote. Which series and what character would it be? So like
0: you, w- w- Did I would suddenly be in that yeah, series? Yeah, like you
1: sort of like in quantum leap, they leap into like you leap into yeah, like yeah, you know, whoever.
0: Uh, oh, wow. Man, that's a weird question. I mean, it's a good question. It's good. It's, it, it's Renee weird. Montoya.
1: Renee Montoya, Chuck. How about that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, I know you, you did very
0: well with Renee Montoya. She was great under Yes, I run. did. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, that's a weird uh, – yeah, I'd have to think about that one. His, his question I want to go someplace happy. Yeah.
1: Well, Renee Montoya's love life is anything but, so. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Anything but happy. I mean, she like, after you left, she had a relationship with Two-Face, I believe. So, oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's a stretch. Yeah, yeah, it, was, it was odd. Um, a streaming service backs the money truck up to your house. Which of your comics or novels do you get adapted for a series first? Well, it sounds like there is a bit of cash involved. Is someone going to do something?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, with with, with SpinRack, we're going to definitely be able to explore a lot of this stuff. Anything that I have that I own, yeah. you know, we're going to be able to utilize in in ways that, I, I wouldn't be able to a year ago. Yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking um,
1: Law Dog because it was so nuts. Frankly, is the only word to describe yeah, yeah. it. Um, <laughs> that an animated like short or a like half hour thing could be really cool. Like a sort of you know because you couldn't do that live action, and it is crazy that comic.
0: No, no, it's it's completely off the wall. It's completely nuts. We we were dealing with a gaming company. And they actually lowered their price for developing Law Dog as a game because they loved Law Dog so much. Because exactly. we were like, "Well, we don't know if we want to go with you." And they go, "No, no, you have to go with us. Everyone here loves Law Dog. It's fantastic." <laughs> I, like,
1: like, you know, I, I would, I'm really looking forward to that coming out the full collection because I've only read what you put out on Amazon a few years ago. You, you, you put yeah. out a couple of digital issues which were fantastic. Um, right. Now, during your, this is an interesting question. During your long and legendary career, was there another writer in the industry you considered to be your rival? Have you got a rival, Chuck, or is everyone your rival? Is that what it's like? No, nah,
0: Mike Barron was my rival. Oh, Mike yeah. Barron was the guy to beat. I mean, he wow. was there before me. Yeah. He raised the bar. Yeah. Uh, Nexus yeah. and Badger raised the bar on American Comics. Yeah. And everybody talked about Nexus and Badger, and they yeah. were the ones to beat. And, and I looked at the writing, and I said, this is so smart, so keen. Yeah. This guy's got such an understanding of the medium. Uh, this is this is my competition.
1: Wow. That that's yeah. so funny. I mean we you've both been on the show so many times he's a great guy as well, Mike. Oh yeah, Mike. yeah, Mike's such terrific. a nice guy. You know Mike's terrific. I I I honestly underrated is not the right word, but I I feel like not enough people in current comics realize what Mike I remind them, I go, he won two Eisners, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I'm- like how about also his Punisher work? Anyone, you know? Oh yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he, I, 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 always, I embarrass Mike all the time by saying, you know, I worked in your shadow on the Punisher. I mean, you basically schooled me on who the Punisher was. I thought I understood the character until you wrote it. Yeah, and it's like, wow, there's all this nuance.
1: Yeah, no, he's great. Well, he's still around. And we we had him on the show. Oh, yeah. um, we had him on the show a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's got a new project coming out, uh, Private American, and um. I mean, oh yeah, that looks
0: he, awesome. Did that you read that? Awesome. My favorite line? is Florida Man. Oh yeah,
1: Florida Man's great. Flora, man, is great. He um also did Thin Blue Line recently, which was great. Yeah. The cop one. Oh man, I because I, I was I got so uh, if you recall a year or two ago when they were you they were burning down cities in the states. You remember I I got enraged. I was like, really, we're burning down cities and we want to defund the police? Wrong time. Right. Wrong time right. to do that. Like, yes, I, yes. I guess and we're letting you know, we're
0: letting people out of prison who shouldn't be let out of prison. It's it's. Yeah, I'm just glad I'm in Florida. Florida yeah. is like an island of sanity here. <laughs> yeah,
1: good. Um, I saw you'll get this is unbelievable. A few weeks ago, I click on the news. Australia welcomed back so ISIS people who went over to fight with ISIS. Okay, they welcomed so they had families and like they're basically terrorists. They had families, kids. They brought back all the all the ISIS people were allowed back into the country, and I was like, why? Why is this happening? Like, right. you, you know, right. like you literally went over there to, to cause havoc and mayhem and terror stuff. And then, you know what? They were sorry because they kind of like, they have whole families over there. They want to bring them back. They all came back and they were all lined up. And I was like, seriously, every single one of these people should be arrested.
0: You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, they'll go, Oh, well, they have families. And all I don't care. About no, I don't care. Yeah. I don't exactly. care. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, i don't know hitler liked dogs i mean that's not an excuse
1: <laughs> exactly i'm kind of like there's a little thing called consequence and and yeah. you know like i'm sorry you go over to fight for isis you're done that's it that's right. the that's end of you living in this country you know go and live in whatever war-torn place you want to be you know
0: yeah yeah i mean you're you're, you're still alive you managed to escape the web <laughs> just don't come back here
1: exactly um as a kid did you ever write into a comics letters page did, did that ever happen for you
0: yeah, I wrote. I wrote. I got a letter printed in a Fantastic Four once, and wow. I got a letter printed in, in a Sergeant Rock comic once.
1: That's cool, man. That's yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. Um, Chuck, as always, um, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. I'm going to put all the links up um, to all the stuff you've got going on. You've got the first kill stuff. You've got the the stuff coming out with uh, Midnight's War. You've got Spin Rack. I mean, you're a busy man. I don't know how you squeeze it all in. Is, have you got a clone <laughs> working in the basement now while we're talking?
0: <laughs> I wish. I wish.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you ever, have you ever thought of this? You know how um, you get the really big authors who, then they sort of like, um, they delegate the work. You know, James Patterson right. writes, and it's like, in quotes, writes his book. I'm right. thinking you've got some kids, you know, maybe you start churning them out, like get them working on the factory floor.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can't do it. it it's um, too much to take. My publisher on Levon said, You know, you could write plot lines. We could bring the books out more often. You could write plot lines. We could have another writer write them. And yeah. I'm like, What? Yeah, and, yeah. and my editor said, Chuck's never going to agree to that. No. And then I told him, No, I don't agree. And he goes, I knew you wouldn't. He says, Because no one can match your voice. That's time. right. Yeah, the readers, you know, and, and, the and the same is true for any author. I mean, yeah. how are you going to match Bernard Cornwell's voice? You know, it's yeah. only he can do
1: that. I, I always feel when I say, I, I suggest it as a joke, because I always think it's a huge cop-out, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, like I, can,
1: I mean, I, I'd rather read, even if it's like Stephen King churning it out, I'd rather read him churning it out than him delegating it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, but, yeah. but a lot of the stuff you see published, it's either a house name, or it's not the person. I mean, anytime you see a celebrity's name, you know, they didn't yeah. write it.
1: <laughs> a lot of ghostwriting going on. Uh, right. <laughs> sometimes they're like, "I don't even like their question about something uh, controversial." They're like, "I didn't write it. That was the ghostwriter." Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just all knowledge. No, I didn't um, even
0: read it. I just signed the back of the check. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right.
1: That was the part I was really invested in. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck. I want to say thank you so much for
1: coming on Signal again. You're always welcome back whenever you've got any projects. And, my God, you have projects. It's I feel like we've covered them all today. Um, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to let the audience know where to find you and stuff like that? Uh,
0: you know, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter again, uh, at Dixonverse. And, uh, you know, uh, look for me on Amazon. <laughs> That's it. You'll, you'll find, Chuck, plenty of good product out there. Thank you, Chuck, and good night. Thanks for having me.
1: Chuck, that was fantastic. I think that was one of our best ever conversations.